I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and in the dark room that is your life. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Favor right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Hey, what have we got tonight? Tonight. We got the classic 1988 Tim Burton film, Beetlejuice, starring Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, and Catherine O'Hara. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it, too. I am the coyote. Don't say my name three times. You are listening to the Late Night Friday right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very bio-exorcist co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, we have a good one tonight. We are in February. Last month, we spotlighted mystery thrillers. This month, we're back to horror films, and we've kind of got a cross-section of horror films. We did Wes Craven's New Nightmare last week. We have a little bit of horror comedy this week, Supernatural horror comedy as it is uh this is a movie from 1988 directed by mr tim burton faith this is one of your favorites please introduce our film for the evening we are talking about beetlejuice tonight don't say his name three times oh man we're gonna say it a lot we're gonna say it a lot (laughs) oh no (laughs) don't say the b word there it is (laughs) come for your daughter chuck So Michael Keaton plays Beetlejuice, but the rest of the cast is just as good, including Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones, one of our favorites here, Catherine O'Hara. She is awesome. Another one of our favorites is in this movie, Winona Ryder. Love her. She was my first celebrity crush. I don't blame you. Yes. (laughs) And it started right around this time. It was like this movie, and then I saw Heathers, and then... uh, (laughs) The, the 90s were, were dedicated to, to Winona Love. <laughs> I understand. The aughts and last decade were also dedicated to Winona Love. <laughs> Still dedicated to Winona Love. All right, four things get too creepy <laughs> here on the show. Uh, this is a movie that we both really love, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking about this with you. But uh, we had uh, a little bit of news out of Hollywood this past week. 103-year-old Academy Award nominee, three-time Academy Award nominee, Kirk Douglas passed away. I really thought God had forgotten about him because he just had a birthday. I think it was in December. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, I saw he turned 103. I, I remember I told my mother, I was like, Kirk Douglas is 103. He keeps going. How amazing is this? And uh, so he just left us and he was an amazing guy. I don't want to get too much into his biography, but uh, he was one of the first actors to start a production company. He was the son of illiterate uh, Russian immigrants. He became 
a, uh, a big Hollywood star. And uh, as I said, the illiterate Russian immigrants and their son became a best-selling author. So there you go. <laughs> he led a pretty extraordinary life and a very full life. And uh, his son, Michael, is also an, uh, he's an Academy Award winner. And uh, what did you know, we talked about this when it happened just because it was it was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. like he 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 finally went. And this was one of the last of the golden you know, the golden age, you know, and I, I don't mean to belittle that with, oh, he finally went, but it was just like, <laughs> made me laugh. I really didn't think that finally. he was, I really didn't think that, you know, <laughs> it was like, man, Kirk's just going to keep going, man. <laughs> He's going to outlive everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you, what did you think when you heard the news that Kirk Douglas had, had passed? I heard it through, I think my sister and I was like, oh, you know, I was just like, he was a man. <laughs> he just, I know he just turned 103. 103. I saw so and his like, widow yeah. is 100. Wow. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that struck me, I did some reading about him afterwards, and I think this is a great life lesson. Uh, he had this insane curiosity for the world, mm-hmm. and they said, like, he really embraced the Internet. Now, think about this. The man's in his 80s when the Internet, you know, comes to real prominence. Uh, but he was very curious and engaged and and a complete badass because there was a bad helicopter accident that, uh, you know, really should have broken him he he you know had to go physical therapy for that he had a stroke he had to learn to speak again he did you know he seemed to have a wonderful sense of humor and this this insatiable curiosity for life and i think the lesson there is the more engaged you are and curious and and hungry for for what's next Mm -hmm. i think that's the longer you're going to stay in this thing and i'm looking at him and man i mean Time is undefeated, you know, time gets us all, but he was still so engaged, even, know. you know, when you'd see him in his late 90s, you know, appearing at things, and it was and it was amazing, and I think that's the lesson, stay engaged, stay young at heart, because you look at a guy like Shatner, who's almost 90, and Shatner rides horses every day, and Shatner has that curiosity and looks great, and his mental faculties are still there, you know, because he still feels purpose i think and and i think kirk douglas whatever that thing is they, yeah. they both have and i think it's it's wonderful and uh happy trails we salute you kirk douglas Absolutely. it's 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 amazing it really is and uh man you know just puts it in perspective doesn't it it does it does but uh it's the last one of the last ties to the golden age of hollywood that we have olivia de Havilland, who was in gone with the wind and several other classic films she's still with us she's over 100 so i mean you know Goodness. as old as the industry think about that wow so <laughs> well as we said we were talking about beetlejuice that's a movie that's not 103 years old but uh it's uh 32 years old now <laughs> so it's getting it's getting up there up there in age faith you like this movie don't you i do like this movie I know you like this movie. I, I like this movie, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about it in just a bit, but we do have a little bit of business first, don't we? We do. What time is it, Faith? It's time for the news. Time for the news. The seventh annual Cozy Corner Cute Toot Awards were held over the weekend. To no one's surprise, the cutest tutor was Tiny Tito, Cozy Corner's resident favorite toddler. Tito tooted a perfect 10. The winning toot blew the competition off the stage. Wish I'd been there to see that. Well, in a surprise announcement, Jesus, a founding member of the Holy Trinity, the biggest selling rap group of all time, says that he will be cutting a solo album. 
Tentatively titled In My Father's House, the album promises to mix the old and new school for a new covenant of funk. In an exclusive statement to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, Jesus said, Yea unto me, and yea unto these fat beats I give to you. That's fat with a PH. Best of luck to Jesus on his new album. Absolutely. Well, we haven't heard much this week from Gwyneth Paltrow, actress and founder of lifestyle website Goop. But we're sure wherever she is, she's concocting. I can't even speak tonight. Concocting some vagina-scented thingamabob that she'll sell for about $70 or so on her website. Gwyneth, while charming as a mofo in the Marvel movies, has lost her grip on reality. God bless you, Gwynny. God bless you indeed. Finally, Mayor Lucius Morningstar was fully acquitted after his impeachment hearing. The Cozy Corner City Council voted 5-4 to acquit. Morningstar, in an exclusive statement to the Late Night Fright, says that vengeance will be his. Quote, They won't know when or where, but my enemies will shit piss from their eyeballs when all is said and done. End quote. And that faith is the news. I don't know how one shits piss from their eyeballs, but... Sounds brutal. Mayor Morningstar will find a way. I hope you were not one of the people that that smited him. Oh, man. If uh, this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're a return visitor to Cozy Corner, thank you for your continued support. We are in the middle of Horror Month. It is February. We are going to be talking about one of our favorite movies, Tim Burton's 1988 classic Beetlejuice starring Michael Keaton. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. smelling candles on any side of the Mississippi. Available now at fine and low-rent stores in Cozy Corner. These foul fragrances are guaranteed to get the gag reflex working. Try our latest scents. Truck Stop Toilet. Kitty Litter. And Broccoli Farts. Holy shit! Rancid Sticks. Our 60-hour burns will make your stomach turn. Rancid Sticks. Available now. Rancid Sticks are a subsidiary of the Welsh Jennings Corporation. Welsh Jennings. Building a better tomorrow. Today. Rancid Sticks. Holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Having trouble with a living? You tired of having your homes blazed by a living? You want to get rid of them pesky living critters once and for all? Well, come on down and see me, folks, because I'm the afterlife's leading bio exorcist. 
Yes, there is. Come on down here, and I want to tell you, I'll do anything. I'll scare them real bad. The point is, folks, I'm going to do anything to get your business. Hell, I'll possess myself if I got to. Whoa! Yo, I got demons running all through me. All through me. Come on down here and see it. And hey, if you act now, you get a free demon possession with every exorcism. Ah, you can't beat that, can you? Now bring a little parts down here. Hell, we got plenty of snakes and lizards for them to play with. There's no problem with that at all. So, see it once. Say it twice, third time's a charm, and remember, I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. So come on down now. Chew on a dog. Oh! This is Bobby D'Amato, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, and Cozy Corner's resident man, here to tell you about Cozy Corner After Hours. This is the finest in pay-per-view adult entertainment. This ain't wham bam thank you ma'am. This high quality adult entertainment actually has a story. Most of the time they ain't too compelling, but hey, they get the job done and we all know why we're watching this stuff, right? Cozy Corner After Hours, available now. Hey, guess what? It's on Channel 69. Can you believe that? After Hours. Channel 69, I can't believe it. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, let's get right into it. 1988's Beetlejuice, directed by Tim Burton. This is from a story by Michael McDowell, and the screenplay was by Warren Skarin. We talked about him a little bit on the Batman episode because he wrote that. We should also note that he was a driving force behind the distribution of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974. So he has a place in horror history, I would say. Yes. <laughs> I would say. Yes. Tim Burton is, of course, the animator turned film director. He came to national prominence with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. This is his second directorial feature, if you can believe that. Hard to believe, Nestled actually. Nestled real cozy in there between uh, Pee-wee and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so this, to me, really is uh, kind of one of these movies that helps define you know him as a director. Mm-hmm. You know the look, the feel, the, yes. the humor, the kind of the the subject matter, thematic mm-hmm. material. All that is it's it's this is like Tim Burton. You know this yeah. is it's yeah. like the bread and butter. Of Tim. Yeah, I know a lot of people would say it's Edward Scissorhands. I would say no, I think it's Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, I think it's here. I think it's Beetlejuice. So <laughs> this is a movie you and I both love, and it's always nice because uh, a lot of times one of us hasn't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. We've both seen this movie countless times, and this was a no-brainer. It's the, the really the question is what took us so long to get to Beetlejuice. Right? So We're crazy. Uh, what do you think of Beetlejuice, and what is it thirty-two years now after the fact that just keeps you coming back for more? <laughs> Oh, I love this movie. That you know, everything about it. It's just it's weird. It's it's kooky. It's funny. It's you know the way that it, it's. I wouldn't say that it's dark, but <laughs> it's more like dark 
humorish, I guess, if you will. It's macabre. Yeah, there you go. I think macabre <laughs> is the word, word for it. It's uh, Edgar Allan Poe with a sense of humor. You know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Thing, the thing that I like about this movie, looking back on it now, and we talk about this on our Ghostbusters episode, and one of the possible plans for this movie was at the time maybe more of a straight horror film more of a Mm -hmm. supernatural thing uh more like a poltergeist type film you Mm -hmm. know because if you play this a little more to the left it's a pretty hardcore horror film right (laughs) if you play it a little too much to the right it's maybe a little more silly right than it than it turned out to be Mm -hmm. this really strikes a tone this is a, a great example of a movie striking a tone and keeping that tone and what makes it so unique is that tone is so weird (laughs) it's so it's so odd and that to me i was talking about the burton thing this is the burton thing Mm -hmm. it's just a little left to center you know it's still in the ballpark but it's it's way out left to center in the cheap seats hanging out (laughs) you know and uh and for a lot of people, I think this was, even though Pee Wee was a, was a nice size hit and Pee Wee was a cultural thing at that time, but Beetlejuice, this is more of a Tim Burton film than, than Pee Wee's Big mm-hmm. Adventure is. And like I said, I think it's all there, just the look of it, the feel of it, oh, you know, yeah. the, the oddness of it. And I, and it, it, I don't know if this sounds weird. The oddness is such a nice, warm, cozy blanket for me. It's one of the things oh, that too. keeps drawing me back to it is the the surrealness of this and then the matter of factness of it kind of meeting somewhere, <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, it's, it's really great. Um, this is a great movie to play. What if with too, because there were a lot of people attached to this beforehand before Tim Burton got to it. And the biggest name being Wes Craven was a guy mm-hmm. attached to this movie. And I think it may have been a little more on the darker side if Craven yeah, had done it. I, yeah, uh, I was just thinking that. Heather Langenkamp from Elm street was another name attached to it at one time. Uh, Tim Burton envisioned Sammy Davis Jr. playing Beetlejuice, and boy, would that have been a departure. <laughs> um, there were a lot of names attached to this movie. Kirstie Alley was mm-hmm. somebody that they wanted to play Barbara Maitland at one time. So uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> as Beetlejuice, let that roll around in your head for a minute. And he was actually interested in it. Now, what you have to remember is the Beetlejuice that we see on screen is different from the Beetlejuice that's on the page because the guy that they got to play Beetlejuice ad-libbed, uh, and it's on record, I think about 90% yes. of his diet. Is that, was that the number? I think so. I think it was, I think it was 90%. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, as much as this is, uh, Tim Burton's movie, this really is, uh, also than Michael Keaton's movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's see, here are some names. Juliette Lewis, for Lydia, Lori Laughlin, she is in some trouble now. Aunt Becky, <laughs> Diane Lane, Sarah Jessica Parker, Brooke Shields, Justine Bateman, Molly Ringwall, and Jennifer Conley. They all turned down the role of Lydia. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Kirstie Alley was indeed the first choice for the role of Barbara, but she couldn't get out of her Cheers contract. Sigourney Weaver, Goldie Hawn, Laura Dern, and Linda Hamilton were also considered for that role. Let's see. Uh, here's a list of people considered. For uh, Beetlejuice, Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Christopher Lloyd, Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, Robert De Niro, and John Cleese, also Dudley Moore. Hmm. So, um, as we said, Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, considered <laughs> at one at one point for this. I'm trying to picture that. <laughs> 
like I said, it's kind of it's kind of fun to play what if some sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and how the movie would have turned out. Uh, now, interestingly enough, one of the people who's in the movie doesn't like the movie, and that's Alec Baldwin. He doesn't like the way it turned out. I'm like, okay, yeah. He didn't like his performance. He didn't like his. I think so he's read. great in this movie. I think, he is too. I think he's great in this movie. So, very short synopsis: the Maitlands die, <laughs> and. Uh, they are stuck in their house, and the Dietzes move in, and they want to get rid of the Dietzes. I love the turn here that you're seeing it from the uh, dead people's perspective. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, which is great. So we have Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis as uh, Adam and Barbara Maitland. They are a very likable couple, I would say. Mm-hmm. They uh, own the local hardware store. They're about to take a vacation, and then this awful tragedy befalls them. They uh, they fall into the uh, river <laughs> off of the bridge that damn dog got them um again i i stand by that i think they're very likable the two of them are very good in this gina davis is somebody uh i like her sometimes she's not someone that i that i've, I've gravitated right. towards uh, uh she, she's a good actress it's mm-hmm. just you know sometimes people connect with you more yeah. alec baldwin has uh for for all of his anger and some of the things that he says at times uh has kind of morphed into this uh national treasure comedic <laughs> treasure in a lot of ways i think he holds the record for hosting saturday night live and possibly appearances on the show as well maybe he's up there with john goodman so uh what do you think of the two of them because there there are guides through this uh macabre topsy-turvy world (laughs) i love them i like how it starts off so you know feels like small town america they're sweet and (laughs) then it's like no you're dead (laughs) but no i i really do i like them here i think they're a good pairing yeah i can see why they wanted kirstie alley for this Mm -hmm. but gina davis brings a real sweetness to this Mm -hmm. and they don't overplay this in the movie but her whole thing at the beginning they can't they haven't had children yet and you get the idea that they're they've had trouble Mm -hmm. conceiving they don't make a huge deal about that but um she wants to stay with the girl and it's really sweet that she wants to stay and kind of mother Mm -hmm. the girl and and so (laughs) it's uh they're they're, they they really it's kind of funny the dead people ground the movie and and they're the most normal people in the movie too that's the thing uh, again very likable and relatable and uh, you you travel through this this story with them and one of the things that was uh, striking me on this rewatch was the bureaucratic stuff going yes. on especially with you know the afterlife and they say <laughs> that people who commit suicide uh, become civil servants yes. and, uh, but the bureaucracy of it and the whole handbook for the li- for the uh, recently deceased mm-hmm. that, you know, he makes the comment, it reads like stereo instructions, which then comes back at the end with Jeffrey Jones playing uh, Charles Dietz. He, uh, you know, they have their little uh, living with the dead, you know, with, with their uh, with their new living situation. Yes. He says, you know, <laughs> reads like you know, stereo instructions. So I like the, the bureaucratic mentality of the movie, which I think I everybody can relate to, you know. I, do you know anybody that likes bureaucracy? No. You know, I said this on the show a while back, you know, I was like, uh, I don't understand people who say, you know, more government. That's the answer. Cause it's like, that means more bureaucracy. You don't want, you know, <laughs> exactly. not, to, not to get political or anything, but it's like, you know, nobody goes, let's have more bureaucracy. But, no. but, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the other side feels like the DMV or something, uh-huh, you exactly. know, the social security office, exactly. or something, which is absolutely hysterical. Um, so, the Maitlands are in their house and it starts to get taken over by the Dietzes. Let's start with the mom and dad. We'll start with the dad, Jeffrey Jones, probably most famous for his role in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as uh, Principal Edward Rooney. 
He appears here as Charles Dietz, a former investment banker, I believe. Uh, mm, you so. kind of get the idea he, he wore himself out. He got yeah. burned it at both ends and needs peace and quiet. Uh, he seems likable enough. He seems, he seems the most relatable. normal enough out of that <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't want to to mess up the house. He just wants to be out there and, and, mm-hmm. and relax. Relax, yeah. You know, but... Uh, the movie does say something about yuppie culture, doesn't it? You know, the way yes. that, you know, gentrification of the country, you know, kind of a, a, a switch, you know, you see it all going on now with the big cities, uh, people moving in and taking over and, and redoing these uh, kind of urban blight areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, uh, you get the idea they're, they're moving into the country and they're going to take it over right. you know, and turn this <laughs> art center, which this place is not, no, you know, not at, at all. all. <laughs> so uh, in Connecticut and yeah he's he's very likable he, he uh you know I, I think his performance is fine the most normal out of mm-hmm. that group so it kind of grounds that group his wife delia <laughs> his second wife played by the great Catherine o'hara now as much as this movie is michael keaton's movie and michael keaton let's say it, he's in it 17 and a half minutes it's an hour and a half yep. he's in 17 and a half minutes of the movie he makes a huge impression every minute he's on screen and he owns every minute he's on screen. It's his movie when he's in it. I was struck at how much this is really Catherine O'Hara's movie. Mm -hmm. She really owns this movie. She really does. Delia is such a unique and interesting character. And and Tim Burton had to fly out to talk to her about taking, (laughs) to convince her to take this role. And I'm, I'm so glad that she did. Now she was on SCTV. She's best remembered for her role as uh, Mrs. McAllister in the Home Alone movies. She's on a show called Shit's Creek that we're both very fond of. She has been funny in so many things, and she's always great. Catherine O'Hara is one of these oh, people. She's always great. She has that that beautiful red hair in this movie. Those blue eyes that just <laughs> pop. She's weird. She's a flake. What do you think of Catherine O'Hara as Delia Dietz? <laughs> I love her. And I think for the longest time, I guess I always compared her just to Home Alone. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice. And she plays it well, but it's still like, okay. Because I've only, I guess when I first watched it, I only really knew her from Home Alone. But then, I don't know, I, I watched more stuff with her and watching Shit's Creek. I'm like, okay, I can see <laughs> I can see why they, yeah. why they wanted her. She's so good. And I, she's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. And it's amazing as flaky as this woman is and 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 i don't want to say awful i don't know what the word is she's not awful but uh just so self-absorbed she's right. she's still so likable in this movie no and that's all a Catherine o'hara you know one of the things that i was noticing because i was noticing uh she was wearing gloves as like a headband yes. and then i was like is she repurposing yes. stuff that you've already seen in the movie and then she was wearing a sweater as pants mm-hmm. And she just nails this like elite upper class yuppie woman with too much time on her hands because she's only really happy when she's sculpting, you know, and she creates this art that I don't know is dangerous. It's it's dangerous art. Um, I feel like her art really, you know, epitomizes that character really kind of tells you what you need to know about that character. Exactly. You know, but she's this really weird woman, you know, and, and like I said, she, she doesn't seem vindictive. Mm-mm. You know, she's no. just so self-absorbed. And Catherine O'Hara is so likable playing this woman, I know. you know. Um, so they're, they're the mom and dad. 
and uh, they are redoing the house, which is why the Maitlands want them out. But there's a little, uh, there's a spanner in the works because their daughter, Lydia Deeds, played by the one and only Winona Ryder, uh, can see the Maitlands and, and forms a friendship with them. And she forms the friendship with them because she is herself strange and unusual. And it is a strange and unusual world. So Winona Ryder as Lydia Deeds, she was about 15 or 16 when they were filming this movie. Uh, this to me, as much as this is a Tim Burton film, this establishes kind of the uh, the ballad of Winona Ryder. This is everything that she becomes pop culture wise. Nope. It comes from this movie. Oh yeah, you know the oddball, the kind of odd duck, mm-hmm. you know the uh, the out there kind of girl, introverted, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, teenager. You know, I mean, when I see Winona, I still think of this <laughs> this too. character. You know, it's it's between this and Heather's, but for me, it's more. Lydia this character, <laughs> she's Lydia Dietz. She yeah. really is Lydia Dietz. And as much as I love <laughs> Heather Langenkamp, who would have been fine, I'm sure. No, Winona just, I'm wondering how much of Winona. I was literally you know, thinking where, that. Where it ends. Yeah, I feel like how much is she really acting? <laughs> how much is she bringing of herself yeah. to it? Because it feels like it's really her. And it's from the moment she comes in on, on the little couch, mm-hmm. you know, and she's taking the pictures and. <laughs> She's just weird. She's a weird kid, <laughs> but is. very likable. Oh, you have to love her. You know, and you, you do feel some sympathy for her because, I mean, this mm-hmm. is her stepmother and, you know, she's you know moved from the city. But uh, what is it about Lydia that you like so much? I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like I feel like I relate to her because <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, myself strange and unusual. <laughs> no, I don't know. Is she's your whole just, life a dark room? My whole life is a dark room, yes. No, I just... She's kind of sweet, even though she's supposed to be this strange and unusual yeah, very, person. Yeah, very know. sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. There's almost an empathic quality to her, yeah. you know, a sweetness and, uh, and uh, you know, you... She's just so likable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not, not in that... And she's she's not a waif at all, you know, she's right. not timid or anything. She's <laughs> she's a neat character. She, she really is. She really is. And... Um, yeah, as much as the Maitlands are are our inroads into the story, she's also then you know kind of our inroads mm-hmm. you know because that's that's the bridge between the two stories. Mm-hmm. So and when on a writer, of course, I mean she's great. Oh, you know yeah. she she you know time is you know told the tale on oh, yeah. on Winona, and it's nice to see her kind of back. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. In Stranger Things and back back to prominence because it was a little uh, things were dry there for a while for her. Yeah, good while. And yeah, <laughs> and I will say this: before she stole all those things from that store, she had stolen my heart years before. <laughs> so, yeah, this is for me where it, where it really starts. Um, there are some other uh, actors that pop up in here. Dick Cavett pops up. The talk show host uh, has a role in this film. Dick Cavett was also uh, in A Nightmare on Elm Street three. Dream Warriors, and uh, so let's see, make the connection here. He's in both movies, and both of those movies feature scenes with a snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the deal is there. Robert Goulet, probably most famous for Will Ferrell's impression on Saturday Night Live. Goulet. Uh, he also appears here as Maxie Dean, the great character actor Glenn Shaddix, who left us a little too early. He plays Otho, the uh, very flaky interior designer slash psychic medium slash whatever else you want him to be. <laughs> he he steals most scenes that he's into. Oh, Everybody yes. steals the scene. Like they, <laughs> you know, when they're on screen, it's so great. You know, know. it's a great ensemble of actors. And I say he steals the scene. He doesn't ham it up, but it. it everybody is so funny. <laughs> In this movie. Oh, yeah, he's one of my favorite parts. I keep saying that about everybody. I'm like, oh, they were my favorite parts, but 
everybody was so good in it. <laughs> yes. Sylvia Sidney, uh, great classic actor. She appears as Juno, the caseworker. She's one of my favorite parts of this movie as well. <laughs> the uh, put-upon bureaucrat on the other side, who is the caseworker for the Maitland. She's also very funny. Was the smoke actually coming out of her neck at one point? Yes, she's... yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. So I'm guessing she slit her own throat. Yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah, that's what I was Because thinking. when you commit suicide, you go to the other side and yep. become a civil servant. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, we've uh, we've beaten around the bush long enough. There's a guy in this movie. He's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hmm. He was in the movie's Night Shift, Mr. Mom, Batman, this film. He was Academy Award nominee for a movie called Birdman, which is wonderful. He's been in The Other Guys. He's popped up in a whole bunch of stuff. He's uh, one of my favorites. He's one of your favorites. He is... Uh, a guy we said on the, our Batman episode that we did, he can do everything. I legitimately have never seen an actor who can do comedy and drama the way he can, but who also lets it can let it all hang out the way that he does and doesn't seem like he's trying too hard. He, he's a guy, I think, with a unique comedic perspective. He mm-hmm. was a stand-up comic at one time. Got his start on the Mr. Rogers show. Of all places, yeah, because uh, that show uh, came out of Pittsburgh. That's where he's from. That's cool. And he worked on the show and would appear on it as well. Uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is in this movie as Beetlejuice. Don't say it. Don't say it three times because he might he might show up. <laughs> this is 17 and a half minutes of just iconic awesomeness. I mean, from the moment he shows up, when you hear him for the first time, then you see him for the first time in a commercial, and then you finally he's finally in the film. <laughs> this is amazing. What do you think of Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice? Oh, my God. What do you think I think of Michael <laughs> I think you think it's amazing. It is. No, I think from the moment that he arrives and just starts, I feel like it just, it's so much greatness. <laughs> he was described uh, uh, by Tim Burton to Keaton as a guy who had lived in uh, every time but no time, and Keaton said, <laughs> That gave him a lot of freedom, mm-hmm. you know, to go. And you know, that's when he's like, you know, a guy who's, you know, maybe, you know, put his finger in an electric socket, hence the hair. Right. You know, the, the look of this is is what's so amazing. The, the white with the mossy look yes. and that hair that's just standing <laughs> straight up. I, I remember as a kid, you know, and looking back now with some, some movie history behind me, you know, we had never seen anything like this before. <laughs> like exactly. this, this is just a crazy performance. And it's and it's like I said, it's iconic. It is. everything about him i love everything he brings and then considering the fact that he kind of just improvised most of the time 90 percent of it yeah like it's even it's even greater i didn't know that actually you know i just found out that today and he filmed uh he worked on this for two weeks that was it he was there for two weeks and 17 (laughs) minutes and walks away with the movie i mean like he's going to be remembered for batman and beetlejuice i mean this is this is who Michael Keaton is, you know, and uh, I, I'm watching this and I'm just I'm in awe of, of like I said, he just lets it all hang out. Mm-hmm. And it's everything he's doing physically and the voice and the eyes, the eyes the are eyes. just just popping the entire time. You know, um, I think my favorite line, he's not even in the film when he says it's the snake beetle juice. You know, <laughs> we come for your daughter, Chuck, <laughs> that that. That way he talks is, you know, I mean, you want to get in, I want to get out, you know, you're going to be, you know, they're going to be calling me shit, you know. <laughs> the commercial. The commercial is. Kills me. I, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. I go back to it about once a year, I guess. Right. I'll, I'll watch it probably around Halloween. And uh, I'll always forget about the commercial. 
and and this I watched it today for the for the show and <laughs> and it got me. Hell, bring too. the little parts down here. We got plenty of snakes and lizards for them. <laughs> I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. Hell, come on down. I'll chew on a dog. <laughs> I got demons running right through me. <laughs> While he's on his back. <laughs> yeah. So I understand that uh, there was a, a, a backstory that was dropped where um, he he had hanged himself over over a lost love or something. It was mm-hmm. really painful, and that's why he. <laughs> He was a civil servant, and he's gone out on his own. But yeah, he's 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 gone freelance because that's that's the American way. It's the American dream. Yeah, it's capitalist system. Yeah, be your own boss. Right. Don't bio exorcist. <laughs> bio. I love that bio exorcist. I know. That's like I said. The 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 turn on this, the perspective on this, is what makes this so funny to me. Oh, I'm laughing just thinking about the commercial. Yeah. What do you think about uh, his his clothing? I love his clothes and. Did you read the thing that his uh, iconic black and white suit is indicative of him being a prisoner? Yes, I, read I, I never, I never thought, thought of, of that. I never put that together. I just thought it was a Tim Burton touch. Me too. You know, you know, I love the black and white stripes. I think that's like the iconic look. When you, I mean, I think Tim Burton when I think it. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, oh, it's 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 totally great. We should also mention the uh, the production look on this is great because. It's uh, Bo Welch did the production design on this, and he met his wife, Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. while they were making this movie. And he didn't talk to her during the making of the movie because he didn't think he was supposed to. <laughs> and Tim Burton urged him to go talk to her, and they've been married ever since. And That's I think awesome. it's, a, it's a great story. What do, you, what do you think of the look of this movie? Because I, there's something really neat that I want to touch on, but I want to see what you think about the, uh, the, the design look of this. I like the design. It's almost, what's the word? I feel like when it kind of goes into, I, I can't think of what I'm trying to describe. The kind of gothic almost look of it. It's gothic, but it's almost like, uh, I can't think of what I'm trying to say. It almost has a... Um, it's uh, it's almost like, uh, what, what are those uh, town and country type magazines? It's almost like... <laughs> The gothic version of that because the house is weird looking. You know, there's like I like the house. Something a little off about the house in that setting. You know, and even the town, there's something a little yeah. bit off about it. <laughs> and I like the little the just the little bit of like uh weirdness under everything. Even the stuff that looks normal. Mm-hmm. But then when you get weird, the stuff is almost normal. Like I said, the the DMV style afterlife. You know, it's it's so it's 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 <laughs> It's this great juxtaposition of stuff. Yeah, yeah. stuff's a good word. Stuff, it's a lot of stuff on screen. So, but uh, no, I absolutely, I absolutely adore the look of it. And and like I said, it's it's not quite Tim Burton fully unleashed, but God, it's it's all there. You know, the angles and the uh, the cartoonish look of the uh, yeah. of the uh, sandworms. Um, the special effects budget was a million dollars, which is kind of low. And he couldn't do some of the things he wanted to do. So I, I love this stroke of genius on his part. He decided that since they couldn't do it the way they wanted to, he was going to make it look as tacky and B-movie <laughs> and cartoonish as it as he could. And I see that, but it works so it well. It works so well for this, it yeah. It so well. Everything in this movie works so well for this movie because, again, it goes back to the tone mm-hmm. that is established so well. Because yeah, everything, it's like this whimsical I keep bringing that. It, that's what Tim Burton. I feel like he it's, is. It's, it's just 
it's whimsy with calypso again yeah. like you got the calypso <laughs> music you know running through it mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so it's uh it's it's so odd and we have to talk about we talked about him on the batman episode we talk about him every time we do a film that he's involved in the danny elfman score here mm-hmm. you know very uh reminiscent of uh uh Cezanne's dance macabre with the uh, with the violin you know at the beginning mm-hmm. and you hear that violin throughout the throughout the film um that Danny Elfman score, again, like Batman 89, it sets the tone yep. for what's to come. It sounds cartoonish and it's ominous and dark. And he's exactly. got he's got the uh, it's it's that classic Danny Elfman march, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that bum, bum, bum. but he's he's got that bump, 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 always has that going on that that, you know, classic march bass line going mm-hmm. on. And he's always got it like with tubas and the bassoon and like maybe the piano and the basses. And it's in. There's a texture here, his music, and you can really hear it here. You oh, know, yeah. Where, for and again, we say Tim Burton's kind of becoming Tim Burton here. Danny Elfman is kind of becoming Danny Elfman yeah. here, and uh, it for me that music sets the tone and is one of the things that keeps the tone throughout the film. So I think it's, uh, I think the music is is great, an integral part of this. Yeah, I think so too. I think there are two of the two people that can can work together so good and kind of set a tone. You know, between direction and music. I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah. And we talked about Hitchcock and Harriman. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they worked really well together. Oh, yeah. uh, Spielberg and Williams, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, George Lucas and John Williams, yep. you know, worked really well together. But, uh, yeah, this this is a great pairing. Yeah. You know, and, and their, their sensibilities really seem to meet. Yeah. I think Danny Elfman takes his music, I feel like, just a notch above when you talk about tone. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I just, <laughs> you, you just put the music on and it just yeah. instantly... Yeah, you and know. and you it's know what's it's, happening. it's always a, a level above when it's in a Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. Always a level above. Right. You know, they they just they go together. I know they really do. Uh, well, also we have some more music in this though. The Calypso, as we said, yes. is is a part. Of what, I was trying to figure out like why that's a thing in this movie. If there was if there was some kind of I read why. Okay. The Tim Burton wanted to use I can't remember what it was. He wanted to use a specific song. Was it for the dance for the uh, the shrimp? scene i think so uh i i do remember reading it It was but, like an old uh song by the ink spots which is an old I think vocal so, yeah, but i know i think like I an think, old 50s doo-wop type i think song. Catherine o'hara wanted calypso playing or something or something like that i feel like i've read that maybe that would that would make sense yeah Possibly. and then i'm wondering if they retcon the calypso into into the rest of the uh Possibly. of the movie <laughs> because uh i i did read he thought that the uh the dance scene the deo by harry belafonte mm-hmm. was was going to be silly mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> maybe is it maybe one of the most iconic things from the movie i think so yeah i mean that's what i, I remember i always think of that scene when i, I think I of always, Beetlejuice. yeah i always think of day when i hear deo i think of beetlejuice <laughs> you know um it, it's a wonderful scene it's 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 really she's great in that too oh she's awesome yeah those those looks that she's making, Catherine. This is Catherine O'Hara's movie. Like, it really hit me today how much this is her movie. It really know? is. So, but uh, yeah, the Calypso was an interesting choice, and again, that's one of those things that, uh, as great as that music is, and I love it, and Harry Belafonte's <laughs> music, yeah, you know, all the songs that they use in this are so wonderful, and I, I've loved them, you know, <laughs> and still love them. But you know. That's a left of center choice to do yeah. the Calypso music. Again, that's left of center out there in the upper deck in the cheap seats. You know, but it's so effective here. It works. And again, tonally, for some reason, it fits this, yeah, I mean, this I guess, kind of cartoonish world. Yeah, I guess it's weird enough, so 
Might yeah. as well go for it. And the music's so happy. That's the thing, which it's like such a, again, it, to use a, a big 50 cent word, it's such a juxtaposition, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I associate Deo with this. And I associate oh, yeah. um, Shake Sonora, mm-hmm. Jump in Line with, with this. Um, yeah, so you get two great dance numbers in this. You mm-hmm. get the uh, Deo and then you get Shake Sonora, which I think is, I was, I was thinking about the ending of this. When Winona Ryder's dancing, mm-hmm. you know, and she's floating and she's uh, lip syncing to uh, Shake Sonora. And I was thinking, like, how do you end this movie? That's the only way you can end this movie. Right. <laughs> is with a dance number. I mean, I don't I don't know how you end it, you know? I know. I never thought about that. But, yeah, I, that's the only way to end it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, just that's send one them of my out, favorite parts. Send them out to theater dancing. Right. You know, she's <laughs> precious in that scene, too, when she's lip syncing. The OK, I believe you moment is the one that just gets me. So a lot of funny stuff in this movie. Uh, we talked about the afterlife. Uh, if you die, if you kill yourself, you become a civil servant in the afterlife. What do you think of the bureaucratic side of all of this? It's so funny. I think it's I think it fits so good in this movie because like we keep saying it's weird. But it makes it seem real. <laughs> yeah, the, the the weird stuff seems real. The real, real stuff is weird, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I couldn't picture the movie without any of that being in it at all. <laughs> I love the magician's assistant who's been sawed yes. in half. I love... Uh, I like the shrunken head, man. Shrunken head. I like Miss Argentina, 1938. <laughs> uh, the football team, though, steals it for me, too. Yeah, because they get the dance at the end. But, uh, Coach, I don't think we survived. <laughs> You get the cheap joke, too, with uh, no mirrors on this side. How do I look? I'm feeling a little flat. Yeah. The guy, roadkill guy. But, I mean, Juno, you know, is just is wonderful. Oh, I love her. Yeah. The whole look, though, like, just, it's 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 the DMV. For the dead, yeah. Yeah, which is which is great. It, nothing nothing changes. Maybe it's worse. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe it's worse. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just so much just funny stuff in here just everybody has a moment uh, you know uh the look of this is great mm-hmm. you know it's it, it's there's so many i you know iconic things in this movie yeah i feel like if somebody said you know explain tim burton to me i'd be like go watch beetlejuice <laughs> yeah totally i i really I mean, do i think um probably the three films three of the four films he did in this in this four-year period uh beetlejuice uh edward scissorhands and Batman Returns, I think, really kind of encapsulate Tim yeah. Burton. Yeah. Yeah, more just, than anything. Yeah, I think the colors here, when he, the stripes, the sandworm-looking things, that's all Tim Burton. I feel like it's just, yeah. like, boom in your face, and yeah. I oh, love totally. it. Totally. Totally. You can feel the uh, the animator side of him coming mm-hmm. through, the artist side. You know, it's uh, so wonderful. And like we said, you know, moving pictures, we've said this before, moving pictures, it's... it's uh, Images and sound, and these images and those sounds and that music, yeah. this all goes together. And this is a movie I can put on and just watch. Oh, me too. I can watch it from any point in the movie. Mm-hmm. If it's on, I will sit there and, and watch <laughs> me it. Too. And the great thing is, it's not hinged on the Michael Keaton performance. Mm-mm. That's just yeah. a nice cherry on top. It's everything else. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we always talk about um, how Freddy Krueger doesn't have that many lines in his yeah. movies it's just like this you know he only has what 17 and a half minutes yeah but it's so effective <laughs> yeah and i don't feel like he's underused or overused Mm-mm. he's he's in it just the amount of time because i think it may have been overkill if you overuse yeah. as as great as he is you don't want that to become Mm-mm. stale because it could become stale because of the nature of um you know the 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 uniqueness of that right you know but it it's you get just enough of him <laughs> 
And he's so funny. <laughs> he really, he's just so funny. He really is. You know, and he doesn't even seem like he's trying. Mm-mm. And the thing that impresses me, learning that he improv 90% of this, it does not feel at all. improv at all. No, at it all. feels just completely <laughs> real, as out there as this is. Yeah, as out there. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Beetlejuice, 1988. It's, it's just amazing. It's like the more I think about it, you know, we're talking about horror, but I'm like laughing the whole entire time that I'm thinking about this movie. How do you, how do you think this would have worked as a straight horror film? I think it could have worked well. No. I mean, I th- obviously, I love the comedy aspects of it, but I think it could have, I think it would have been cool to see it yeah. a little more, you know, darker. and. Well, that's uh, Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. <laughs> There yeah, you go. pretty much. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, one time uh, they, they didn't want to name it Beetlejuice, and they were uh, House Spirits, I believe, was one of the names. For one the of film. them was something. Scared Sheetless yeah, was scared the name. <laughs> Tim Burton was like, oh, why don't you call it Scared Sheetless? And, and he they got, liked it. And they liked it, and he was like, no. <laughs> Beetlejuice. We're talking about Scared Sheetless today. <laughs> scared Sheetless. Uh, we were talking about the Burton look, the. Uh, the look on them when they're doing their scary faces with the long nose and the, the jaw open and the eyeballs on the tongue. That, to me, is like quintessential Burton. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. If somebody's like, show me Tim Burton, here you go. <laughs> it's, it's all right here. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I noticed, too, before we take a break, uh, the black and white of Beetlejuice's suit, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, symbolizing him being in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Baldwin's flannel shirt was black and white, too. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck. So. Yep. Something there. And that red shirt, that red shirt, he undershirt he's wearing has always stuck out to me for some mm-hmm. reason. And I'm wondering what the... Uh, what why the, that is. Why they, and that to me is a very Tim Burton-y thing too, that kind of just <laughs> peak of red, yeah. you know. But uh, it's such it's such a fun and good-natured movie. I love this movie. And odd. And, and what's so amazing about this is how odd it is and accessible it is at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because, and people were eating this up, man. We were talking, you know, I mean, I was... Eight, I was nine years old when this came out, but we knew, you know, this was, and this was the 10th highest uh, money earner that year. It did wow. very well at the theaters and, you know, got him the Batman gig and got Michael Keaton the Batman gig. Yep. And uh, the world's a better place for all of that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, Michael Keaton's eyes that sealed the deal. <laughs> Boy, his eyes are so popping in, God, this, I know. in this movie. It's hard not to stare at them. <laughs> really is. I mean, he just has a crazy look about it. You know, I guess it's almost, it kind of goes with the hair, the almost electrocuted type of like, yeah, oh, totally, you know, totally, totally. It's Absolute amazing. Craziness. It's a great, this it, is a really great film. I think this is a unique film, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's again, it stood the test. I don't feel like anything's similar to it, and it doesn't feel dated either. Mm-hmm. No. It's very timeless. I think it's a classic now. I really I think do. so too. It's a total classic. So, well, we're going to take a very short break. And when we get back, we are going to wrap up our discussion on Beetlejuice. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. was a hooker with a heart of gold. I'm a hooker with a heart of gold. Until someone started killing her hooker friends. Someone's killing all my hooker friends. 
She wants justice. I want justice. In order to get justice, she's going to have to swallow hard and go down to Gag City. Gag City. Tiana Westbrook in Gag City. Available now on Cozy Corner After Dark. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spellbooks. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive-In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, Juju for you. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we're going to wrap up our discussion of Beetlejuice. And uh, I want to go ahead and announce we have another movie from 1988 that we will be covering next week during our return to horror month here on the Late Night Fright. We're going to be talking about one of the great slasher characters from the late 80s and one character that scared Faith when she was younger. I believe that uh, he's always kind of tripped her out and still trips her out a little bit. We're going to be talking about Chucky in the Child's Play movies. Yeah, because it's a creepy doll. Okay, I don't like, <laughs> don't like dolls. Yeah, it's... it's. I don't like dolls. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that should be fun. Yes. Be fun. I, I can't believe another... Like we said with Beetlejuice, what took us so long to get there? It took us a while to get to Child's Play, but uh, well, here we are. Yeah, there's a lot of movies out there to talk about. <laughs> I know. So let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, this is going to be very difficult. Faith, uh, favorite moments from Beetlejuice? I know there's so many. Uh, mine is uh, my favorite Beetlejuice line is "We come for your daughter, Chuck." <laughs> my favorite Beetlejuice moment is the commercial, um, but the wedding scene is also very nice too. Uh, Delia Dietz wearing gloves as a headband. Uh, really, uh, you know, we say this a lot on the show. Everything, all of it. I mean, it's it's hard to pick one. It's hard. I like Lydia saying that her whole life is a dark room. It's just. Yeah, there's a little something here for everybody. There's something for the disillusioned teenager. There's something for the jaded adult. You know, there's. I love them as their sheet ghosts. There's just so much in this. I will say my favorite Gina Davis moment is when she's, uh, uh, I don't know what the word, moaning under the (laughs) sheets. ah. (laughs) It was great. I really wonder why Alec Baldwin doesn't like his performance in this movie because I think he's wonderful in this. I think think he, he, he's, there's nothing in it where I go, what? You know, no, it's, he really is this guy. I was actually shocked to read that because I was like, hmm. Well, he also said that he doesn't think Harrison Ford's a very good actor, so I don't know, you know. Well, he's something's wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, there might be. There might be. Yeah, he's, he's not considered to be the most uh, 
put together guy at times. <laughs> so explosive is the word I believe that I would use to describe <laughs> Alec Alec Baldwin. I do like Alec Baldwin though. It's it's hard to yeah I do too. It's hard to pick a favorite performance because like I said Michael Keaton is just that's like other level, you know. Okay, we'll take him out of the equation. It's, it's and Catherine then, O'Hara. Yeah, that's but <laughs> but Liddy is wonderful too. Know. Yeah, but. Catherine O'Hara, when Catherine O'Hara sits up in the bed, you know, and turns off the TV, that look on her face, you know, because <laughs> she was sleeping with Prince Valium. Yep. It's just a really good cast. It's, it's, I mean, I think they all, they were all great. It's really hard to pick. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, you had an idea mm-hmm. earlier in the week. You said we were going to take a quiz, a personality mm-hmm. quiz, see which Beetlejuice <laughs> character that we are. Now, we both took the quiz. We're going to yes. give our answers here in a second. <laughs> Uh, going in, who did you think you were going to get? Lydia. Who did you think I was going to get? I actually don't know. Who did you think you were going to get? I actually thought I was going to get Beetlejuice. I thought you, yeah, maybe Beetlejuice. I really did. I thought I was going to get Beetlejuice. <laughs> so, uh, who did you get? Lydia. So did I. <laughs> so did I. Why do you think you got Lydia? Because I am Lydia. <laughs> Because my whole life is a dark room, she, man. She really is people uh, out there who may not have met her. She uh, she can be a very weird and strange and odd girl. And it's very relatable. That's the thing. That's what's so wonderful yeah. about it. That's what we love about it. I wonder why you got Lydia. Probably because you're... I'm odd and strange and yeah. weirdly relatable and accessible. <laughs> I did. I really thought it was going to be Beetlejuice, not because I wanted to be Beetlejuice. I was like, that's probably it's. Did you know me? Could you have seen that being the... Yeah. Uh, being the case and why is that is there a particular reason no not really i don't know i mean you're not as like <laughs> i'm not you know unhinged like not the unhinged horn dog that uh beetlejuice is but uh there's, know, there's no, a touch maybe there like is the, a, there, the, the the personality maybe the little touch of the madness or so, i don't know every now and then yeah <laughs> so this really is a. This is uh. This is a classic. It's hard to pick favorites. If you have a favorite, let us know. We'd we'd love to hear from you. We are still. I want to announce this. Uh, we are still going to be working on our top movies of the nineties. We're gonna have that done for the end of March. I actually started working on it. Shockingly. I started working on mine too. <laughs> so um, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna unveil those lists along with our good friend Cade's list of top films of the nineties. If uh. We will be announcing it on the show, you know, beforehand, kind of getting you ready for that. So if you want to put together a list and send it to us, please do. We'll read your list on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to comment on our list, because I know this is going to, you know, cause a little bit of uh, <laughs> talk, you know, we might end up doing a show on our list. Yeah, Just we probably should. Probably should. Yeah. yeah. And uh, get Kay to possibly call in and uh, give us his list. But uh, he's work. They're going to be having a baby soon. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his availability is going to be. Yeah. Gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good luck uh, with that. <laughs> yeah. Lots of luck, Cade. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. Yeah, right. it's gonna be wonderful. Um we're both both of us really looking forward to it. Be an uncle again. It's gonna be great. Faith, do you have anything you would like to add about Beetlejuice? Um, not off the top of my head. If you haven't seen it, you are crazy and wrong. And need to see it. And need to see it immediately. <laughs> They've been teasing the sequel for years, tentatively titled Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Um, I saw that. And a few years ago when he got hot off of Birdman and she was back with Stranger Things, it was announced that they were going to be doing the sequel and Burton had talked about it. So it's still kind of percolating out there. And it's the kind of thing I think you could do a sequel to this because he'd be in mm-hmm. makeup. Yeah. So it's not like 
you know, you'd be, you'd be worried right. about, you know, the age factor. <laughs> and, and he does look older, obviously, but it might add to the decrepitness of the Beetlejuice character, Exactly. you know, kind of <laughs> play it up. You know, I, I, I would like to see him as Beetlejuice. I would again. love to see him as Beetlejuice again. I think that would be, that'd be pretty cool. And I'd like to see the two of them oh, yeah. together. I, I'd love to see Winona and, and Keaton, oh, yeah, me Keaton too. go at it. Um, did you ever watch the, the cartoon when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I, it was on when I was a kid mm-hmm. and it was still you know, airing. But, so you uh, never saw it either. I saw I saw a couple episodes of oh. it. I was I was a little past it, you know, at that time. But mm-hmm. uh, it was it was fun for the most part, from what I what I remember and saw about it. And they really nailed the look of the two characters. And Lydia had a cute little like spider web dress on. <laughs> that, was, that was that was pretty cute. And she looked like Winona Ryder. Oh my it's, goodness! It was kind of cool. So that sounds pretty cool. It's a, it's it's a great great character. I, I would like to see a sequel. Mm-hmm. To this, and like I said, they've been teasing it for a little yeah. while. But uh, Beetlejuice goes Hawaii Hawaiian. sounds interesting. Yeah, Kevin Smith was uh, offered to write this. They offered the script to him to write, and he go. And his thought was, uh, "Did we not say everything we needed to say with the first Beetlejuice?" <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see well, another like adventure. See I don't some... know about Hawaiian, but yeah, uh, that's where I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not sure. Could you imagine Tim Burton what? directing an old Frankie and Annette surf movie though with Beetlejuice? And I mean, seriously, think <laughs> That'd about be that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, because that's the only way I'd, I, I can't think of how Beetlejuice goes Hawaii would would look. I don't know. Or be, or... I don't know. What are they, on family vacation? He just shows up, they die while they're on vacation. That would work. <laughs> Faith, maybe we should write this movie. <laughs> yeah, a shark attack, you know, surfing accident, a volcano. Of the big kahuna, baby. <laughs> Great okay. flick. I agree with you. You, uh... If you haven't seen this, you're crazy. Yeah. You need to watch it immediately. And if you've seen it, you need to watch it every day. <laughs> there it is. All right. Faith, it feels like that time, doesn't it? It does. It feels like the time. If we listen closely, we might just hear the music. There it is, Faith. It's time to say goodbye. We've heard the chimes. <laughs> Have we not heard the chimes at midnight? <laughs> I've said it before. If you throw in a Shakespeare quote, you just sound... Ten times smarter. <laughs> this was fun. This is, uh, I know, like we said, one of our favorite movies. Fun to talk about. Join oh, yeah. us next week for Child's Play. Be sure to check out our other episodes we released this week on Joker and Batman from 1989. So, bunch of great movies. Bunch of good movies. Yeah, feels like that time, doesn't it? It does. Let's do it. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright with Dan and Faith. We hope you got good vibes from the show and you take them good vibes out there into the world with you. And if you run into any bio-exorcist and you can't find them good vibes, look deep in your heart. They're right there waiting for you. We'll see you next time.